All right, so we're in our build series. We've been talking um, through the book of Ephesians and, and just the, like getting the vision from Ephesians of what it looks like um, to join God in his building of your life, of building the life that God really wants for you and what it looks like to follow him in that. Now, as um, a person who's done life, <laughs> um, who's done at least 24 years of life, um, I have found that often in any group that I'm in, in any setting that I'm in, any um, culture that I end up in, my differences are always very on display um, compared to everybody else's. I, 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 whenever I walk into a room, the first thing I notice is how different I look, how different I am, um, how, diff- how, how much younger I am, how much older I am, um, how much smarter or how much usually dumber I am than the people in the room that I walk into. My differences usually magnify. We're also different. And I, and I feel like most people in this room probably get that. Um, and, and this is the source of a lot of our insecurities is, is us comparing our differences um, to other people, the difference in our giftings, the difference in our, our beliefs, the difference in our thoughts, the difference in our ages, the generations that we're in, the differences of our cultures that we grew up in, the differences of the things that we've experienced in our background, these things illuminate when you stand next to other people or when you stand in a group of other people. And often we allow those things to become sources of insecurity. We allow those things to become sources of division. We allow those things to, be, to lead us in the opposite direction of what God truly wants for us, for us to experience in our differences from each other. Is that something that you experienced? Do you experience, have you ever experienced walking, being, being in a group of people and, and knowing that you're so different from them and that causing you anxiety or causing you stress or causing you hurt, like it bringing hurt in your life that you are different than people? Well, what if I told you that God's vision for our differences, for our different beliefs, for our different gifts, for our different aptitudes, for our different backgrounds, for our different cultures, his vision for those was to be the opposite of draw us in the wrong direction, to draw us in the way of death, the opposite of that. That his purposes for our differences are to unite us instead of divide us, to build things instead of break things down, to, to be built instead of to be broken down by our differences. God's vision is to build his church. We're in this series of building, and, and, and a lot of it is focused on a lot of it is focused on ourselves. A lot of it is focused on the church. Today is a mixture of both, of God using our differences to build his church. God's vision is to build one church under his name that is a beautiful mosaic picture of all our differences. And all our differences will be highlighted as the good and beautiful thing about who we are. And so as we jump into Ephesians today, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. If you want to get your Bibles out, your acoustic Bible or your electric Bible, I'm not offended by either. Um, and we're going to be in specifically verses 7 through 13. But I'm going to give you a little background and just kind of recap what Caleb talked to us about last week in verses 1 through 6. Um, Paul kind of pleads in the first three chapters of Ephesians um, to walk worthy of the calling um, that he has called us to in chapters 1 through 3. So beginning of chapter for, he says, walk worthy of the calling that you have received, um, pleading us to, to work for our faith, pleading us to work to build each other up, pleading us to work. Um, in Caleb's sermon last week, he said it's going to be a struggle. And so we, there is going to be, intentionally, we're going to have to work through the struggles of being a body together. 
And then it goes into being called the one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one Father and God who is in all and over all and through all or something like that. Um, I got the gist of it. But he, he calls us to unity. He calls us to be one. We, you get, he calls us to, uh, the purpose that we have is in our one God. He says that we are united because we are united under one God. He calls us to be one, to be humble and gentle, and that we are united by the seven ones that he points out beforehand. And so then after that, he calls to unity, and then we ask the question, but Paul, we're all so different. What up with that? And now we come to our passage where he answers, uh, answers to us how we address those differences. And so read with me in Ephesians 4, chapters, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 13. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive, he gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things, and he himself gave to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness." And so I'm going to pull a little leadership tactic on you guys today. And since, we, since we've already talked about the unity thing, and Paul actually wraps up this section again calling us to unity. So we're going to start with the vision that God calls, to, calls us to in our different gifts and in our differences. He, and we're going to start with the goal of our gifts, the, the vision. And so in verse 13, highlighted it, it says, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. And so what is the goal of our gifts? The goal of our gifts is unity. Unity in faith and knowledge growing in maturity according to his stature. Now this connects us, like I said, to him calling us to oneness in the previous passage. A little explanation on what unity looks like is the unity of the church is to be a reflection of the unity of the one God upon which the church is built on. A good theology of unity reveals a richer and deeper understanding of unity than just uniformity, meaning that a good theology of unity in the church doesn't mean that we all look the same, act the same, sound the same, do the same things, have the same personalities, dress the same. That's not a good definition of uniformity. But it still holds to the goal of visible unity that, that we should aspire. There should be a visible unity upon us. He calls us to be united in knowledge and in faith, so there should be a visible unity still. The model of church unity presented in Scripture in the whole of Scripture, is a unity in diversity, which protects it on one side from an over-reliance on like, the human hierarchies that we could build ourselves, but also protects us from too great of an emphasis on human autonomy. So unity church is not a picture of just, like I said, looking alike. It's not a picture of um, us all being the same person, but it's a beautiful picture of our differences working together like a perfect puzzle. And, and they talk, there's so many things about um, unity and, and, and the body image in Scripture. And he says to grow in the measure of the stature of Christ's fullness. When you think of the word stature, what do you think of? A person standing. You think of a, the full stature of me. If I, th this is my stature. This is my body. This is my stature. Okay? And so to, to kind of illustrate this, we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians. Don't, don't turn your Bible. I got it right here. 
He uses the body language. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we're all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we're all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Okay, so he uses the stature language, he uses the body language. Just because we're all different doesn't mean that we're not united, doesn't mean we're not all one. If I was a body full of hands, I'd look pretty disturbing. If we all looked the same, it would be disturbing. Let me show, like, just think of like a beautiful family, okay? They're beautiful because they, they, they look different. Look how beautiful this family is. This is the family of one of our um, members, Priscilla. It really needs to be on the big screen. This is the worst time for the screen to be, <laughs> to be timing out because you guys need to see this. Okay, great-looking family. They're also an amazing family. If you ever get to meet any of them, they're great, okay? The photographer did something really hilarious but also kind of disturbing with this picture. She took Priscilla's face and put it on everybody else's face, and this is what it would look like if everybody had the same face. <laughs> disturbing. It's just kind of scary. See, that their family is beautiful because of all of their differences highlight each other. They're, they're kind of similar, you know, because they're related by blood, but they don't all look the same like this. Like, look at that baby, man. Look at that little guy. It's just scary. We're not, all, we're not supposed to look the same. We're not supposed to be the same. Our, our diversity, our different gifts are supposed to highlight each other, are supposed to draw us into a more beautiful picture of a family. I got permission to use that picture, by the way. I wanted to surprise her, but that would be pretty messed up if... if uh... So it's, it's disturbing. Priscilla's family, uniformity, and we can even just, if we look at how, how relationships work, how team dynamics work, we can see that if pe- everyone's the same, it just doesn't work. The old adage that people say, opposites attract. I think that that paints the picture pretty well. Now, you guys who are married or in serious dating relationships um, for um, long periods of time, I'm sure you were drawn to the person that you're with for similarities that you have, whether it's music or, or um, the way you dress or, or whatever it is that draw you, drew you together. Hopefully, Jesus. Um, but as you do life together, you realize how much different you are. Like, like, like you realize that you guys are, like me and Olivia couldn't be more different in a lot of ways. We couldn't be more similar in some ways. We're both pretty goofy, um, and we, love, we both love music, and she has at least a little bit of an enjoyment of football. Um, but we also couldn't be more different. I am an extreme extrovert. I have to be around people to, to, to like gain life. Like it gives me life to be with people. And she is an introvert. She needs to be alone to get life. She does, not that she doesn't like all of you guys. I'm not saying that. But she, but she needs time alone to, be, to regain energy. And I think that people, other, other couples, I, at least in my experience of, of my interviews of couples, um, have been that opposites have attracted. That people are, are more different than similar, but it ends up working out. It ends up making the marriage work better. That you end up making the person better. Because of my extrovertness, um, I, I tend to lean away from being alone and, and taking time to rest, and then it drives myself and her insane. But because she's an introvert, it draws us more in together to, to take time to rest, to take time to be alone, and the vice versa. And so even if we just think of uniform, uniformity on a level of outside of the body of Christ, even there it doesn't make sense. We are, we are all called to be different. We're all, we are, we're all supposed to be different. It doesn't work if we're all the same. It's 
ugly if we're all the same. I'm not saying you're ugly, Priscilla. That's, I'm sorry. That was, came out wrong. It's disturbing if we're all the same. So the picture of the church isn't to be the same people. It's to become, it is to become like-minded and loving and building each other up. And, and if you look at the language of, of being united in, in faith and in knowledge, that's something that's really going to be rejected in our culture. To, to all have the same thoughts, to, or to all think the same thing about God, about who God is. But if we truly have a God, if, if truly God is God, if God is who we believe he is, then he is, he is one God. And so if we have one God, our, our unity needs to reflect his oneness of who he is. One of the ways that we will reflect that, that will be our unity of our knowledge, of building each other up in who we believe God to be in each other's lives. Paul would respond to the relativism of our day with these words, building up the body of Christ means ministering in such a way as to create a unity of knowledge as the basis of the unity of faith. So we must minister to each other. We must build each other up in a way that grows us towards this goal. Our goal is to be united in faith and knowledge with your brothers and sisters that are sitting around you right now. Which brings us to our next point, which is the use of our different gifts, use of our differences. Verses 11 and 12. And he, gave, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. And so there's kind of two sections here. He, he himself gave these people, um, I'll sum it up as a pest and, and replace pastor with shepherd. Um, and, then he give, and then he says to build up the saints with the body of Christ. A lot of people separate it, and, and, and I think that it is true to separate them as these apex people God has given, has equipped to be, sorry, the use of our gifts, has equipped to be the equippers of all believers. So he set leadership aside, he set people aside as a calling on their life to be apostles, to be prophets, to be evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to build up everyone else to do ministry. I didn't write this down, but there's a guy that Caleb told me about that said that when he joined the pastoral ministry, that he le- when he joined the pastorate, he left ministry. Obviously, that's not totally true, but he joined, he became a pastor to build up other people to do ministry. And so he says the saints, he says to build up this, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So who are the saints? If there are if there are the apest people, and then there are the saints. Who are the saints? The saints is everybody. Now, if you, if you come from a liturgical church background, you might be thinking saints as in these icons, you know, St. Patrick, we're about to highlight him, or if you were in Old Town yesterday, we highlighted him yesterday. Um, we, we like to venerate these tenets of the faith, people that really live their faith out really well. But if we read scripture for what it really is, we read that saints are, is, is talking about the people of God, the people that have been saved by God, the people that love God. A believer is a consecrated person. Everywhere, everywhere it talks about saints, it's talking about God's people. So it's talking about you. We're talking about you. Caleb's job is to equip you. Now, he does his own outside ministry as well. He, did, he does minister to people, but he, his, his calling on his life is to equip you. I'm not a pastor yet, but I work at a church and so I'm kind of on both ends. I get to equip you, and then I also get to join you. Caleb's just like on the other side. 
So I'm with you. I'm just kidding. I'm not trying to build division. Caleb is also with us doing ministry. But that means that you guys are ministers. You guys who love Jesus and have trusted him for your salvation are ministers. You guys ought to be doing ministry, building up the body. Our vision is what the church should look like as a result of our gifts is that all of us are involved in building each other up. It's not just the people who work at the church or just the people who have been put in specific leadership positions who do the work of the church, but it's all those who are a part of God's people. The word here he used for ministry is diakonos. Um, he uses the, the active version of it or the, the, you know, the um, verb version of it, but diakonos, the Greek word, is at best, best defined as the one who executes the commands of another or a servant. So who are we executing the commands of? We're executing the commands of God. God has, has told us, go, go and love people. God has told us to build up your neighbor. God has told us to go and, and love orphans and widows. We are carrying out his commands. So each and every person in this room who loves Jesus, who trusts in, trusts in Jesus for their salvation, is a minister. It has a role. Caleb and I should be equipping you in these roles. If we're not, come talk to us. If you want to be equipped better, come talk to us. That's what we're here for. And there's things that we do, like specially concentrated, that are for equipping. Our men's nights, our women's nights, those are equipping nights. Our small groups that, we, that me and him put together, those are equipping events. This is equipping. The classes that I teach, and we're going to have a class. I didn't have it on the slides this morning. We have a class coming up that it will be another equipping class so that you can be better ministers, so that you can better build up your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and build up the people in your life. So what, what makes you different? What has God gifted you with? What is your role? Both in church and outside of church, and I mean in, in, on Sundays and outside of Sundays, because God definitely cares about what happens here on a Sunday, but we're only here for an hour, if I'm preaching, an hour and a half Caleb's preaching. And, and, and there's a lot more of our lives that happens that God wants us to do ministry in. And so he's calling you to, to serve here. I, I'm calling you out <laughs> to serve here if you're, not, if you're not serving. If you are serving, good stuff. Um, but if you're not, I'm, I'm asking you, start serving. God cares about this. If you don't know what there is to do, I have a list here. And that's pro it's, probably not, it's probably not extensive. There's probably more things. So take a picture of that. So at church, we have sound, slides, camera, worship, set up, tear down, um, kids, if you remember, connections, social media, administrative tasks, LTG facilitators, community group leaders, and there's probably more. What has God equipped you to do to serve the church? But outside of that, God has you, has you in ministry outside of here. He has you in your family. He has you in your, I put community group. If you're not in a community group, um, I encourage you to get in one or, or get a setting in which you have deep community, deep relationships where you really get to know people. You can only do so much on a Sunday. Um, in your workplace and in your hobbies, you are called to be ministers in all of these arenas. And so how has God equipped you to be the best mom or dad in your family, your grandpa or grandma or brother or son or daughter? How has God equipped you to be the best member of your deep member of your community? Guys, and again, I want to encourage you, if you're not in deep community, if you're not in a community group, get in one. You're invited to mine. Come to my community group. 5614 Yarrow Street. 
okay? 6.30 on Wednesday nights. It's going to be great. But you need deep community. And what is your place there? Your workplace, your hobbies, you're called to be lights of God in your workplace to call people into this body. Part of building up the body is adding to it, is growing it. I, I mean, think about your body. You're not as big as you were when you were two. Your body grew. And that's part of being a part of the body is welcoming people to it, adding to it. And again, I want to emphasize community group again. Olivia and I recently went through a tough time, and we didn't have to cook for two weeks. We had, we had people bring us a meal every, every single day when we were going through a tough time. And even if, that, if that's your part in your community, to cook meals for people, great, because it blessed us big time. So it could be as little as ma- making a meal. It could be as little as starting out bringing forks to community group. But it will grow past that. It will grow past that. But get into deep community and, so that you can know the needs of the people in your body, so that you can know the needs of the people that are in your church. How are you going to know how to serve your body if you're not in deep community with them? So you all have a role. I'm calling you out. I do not want you leaving today not thinking and praying about what your role is in the body of Christ here at True Life, if you call this place home. And so that brings us to, the, to, the, to our last point. Um, that's the use of our gifts. You all have a role. And the last part is the source, the power, the motivation it says, now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive and he gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. So this is where we get the source for our differences, our different gifts, and our roles in the body of Christ is he gives it to us. This is following the unity part. So this is exactly where he addresses, how, like, okay, we are called to unity, but also we're different. It says, okay, so here's your differences. God gave those to you. God made you different on purpose. And if some of our differences are a result from our broken past, he's redeemed those to be used as gifts now to your body of Christ, to the body that you live in. He says he's given each one of us grace. Now, here is not, now he's not specifically talking about saving grace here, though it is connected. The grace here that he's talking about is your differences, is your gift, the gift that he's given you. We've been given grace in the form of our standing with God and our salvation, but this is different. This is given to us in the measure of how we are, how we ought to serve, of how we ought to give. Each person, your varied gifts have been given to you. <coughs> Only cough today, that's great. But it's important to remember that we didn't, we didn't earn this. We did not give ourselves this gift. It's not based on our merit. It's not based on something that we did that was so good that God gave us this gift, but it's, it's based on grace. Or I, I actually just, it's surprising. I've been a Christian for like 10 years now, and I, this is the first time I've heard this acronym, grace being God's riches at Christ's expense. He gave you it for free at Jesus' expense. In verses 8 through 11, he, he goes into this kind of weird thing about him ascending and descending, and what he's doing is quoting a psalm from David, Psalm 68. And in this psalm, specifically, David is talking about God conquering our enemies. He's talking about God's victory. He defeated our enemies 
And actually, in that psalm, it says that we turn and give him gifts. But because of that we now have Jesus, Paul is flipping it around, and Jesus' victory in our lives, Jesus saving us, Jesus giving us grace, he then celebrates, instead of us turning back to him first, he gives us gifts. He gives us gifts. So he, he's the one that conquered death. He's the one that died on our behalf, and then he arose, he ascended, and then still blesses us more, gives us more. He not only saves us, but he gives us these gifts, these different, diverse gifts of how to serve the body. So Paul takes this Old Testament passage and applies it here. As Christ's celebration of victory, he showers us with gifts. And going back to the psalm, where instead of it saying he gave gifts to people, it says the people gave gifts to him, we should, in response, give back to God. We should, in response, glorify God. Out of his free gift of grace, our response is, ought to be, thank you, God, and I will use these things that you've given to me for your glory. It's all for his glory. So why does he give us gifts? It's grace. He, doesn't, he didn't give you gifts because you're so good. He didn't give you gifts because you're awesome or, or you're so, like, like, you in your state without God is not awesome. You in your state without God is broken and in the church, useless, and, and it's just gone. It's not good, but God saved you. And so our response to him giving us gifts, it ought to be to turn it back to him and glorify him. It's grace. God's church is to reflect God's glory by working for unity with God's gifts given to you. Thanks to his blood on the cross, which we celebrate every week in communion. Every week we celebrate that God died on our behalf, that he went on the cross to earn our salvation, that God's rewards at Christ's expense was given to us. We remember this. And he gave us our differences on purpose, for a purpose. So as you're taking communion and thanking him for what he did for you, as as you're taking communion and thanking him for dying on your behalf and giving you the gifts that he's given you of eternal life and the gifts to serve in this world and in the church. Ask God how he is trying to propel you into ministry. Ask God how he's trying to propel you into using his gifts to build up his church, to build up his body. Again, I, I am calling you out. I am asking you to consider what, God is, what Paul is telling us here, what God is telling us through Paul to serve, to build up your body. I will be, or I'm going to pray for you, and after that, I will be in the back if anybody needs prayer for healing or anything else. Jesus, we um, just thank you for gathering us today, for bringing us together to learn from your word, to, <clears throat> to know more about you, to, to be able to love you more. God, I pray that this morning out of Ephesians 4, we are propelled to love our neighbors, to love our body more, the body of Christ, the church that you died for more. And convict us, God, um, to use our gifts to, give, to bring you glory. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.